Good day. No matter where you are in this crazy world, welcome to the center of the field with me, Richard Keith Lapman. Now let's get right to this, shall we? Uh, now let's be real for a second. Can we be real for a second? I mean, in this world, nobody's allowed to be, but let's try. Do you feel like our planet is on the brink of some kind of meltdown? Or are you, are you looking outside that pane of melted sand you call a window and thinking, this view might radically change for my kids and their kids. Do you care? Well, maybe I shouldn't say do you care, but are you wound up enough to make a really big, and I mean really big, change to help prevent the U.S. from having even more impact on what could be called global warming? I think it's called global climate change now because people get confused, but if climate change is something that keeps you up at night, then you've probably heard of this manifesto called the Green New Deal. It's an ambitious, albeit only 14-page proposal by Alexandra Ocasio Cortez or AOC, or as I call the Congresswoman, another ordinary communist. I know it used to be another obedient communist, but it's my show and I changed it. So anyway, her and Senator Ed Markey, who I've never heard of, uh, put this bill out, which isn't really a bill, it's just a document, to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050 with a plan that touches on almost every facet of American life, including transportation, healthcare, education, and the way tennis shoes are made. I kid you not. It's a massive plan that would require a huge amount of support from nearly all 350 million of us. Well, 460 million if we count all the hardworking folks the government pretends aren't here, but do most of the real work. Anyway, let's just start here because if we don't care, the plan is dead on arrival. A 2019 survey from the Pew Research Center, which if you didn't know was a company started by the LA Times and the Baltimore Sun, but shows that 44% of Americans believe that global warming should be a top priority for the president in Congress, while 59% of Americans believe global warming has impacted them or affected them where they live. So near, nearly 60% of us say we're impacted, while only 45% say we should do anything about it. Well, welcome to America, folks. Polls are like chocolate. No, 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 I'm not going to quote Forrest Gump. Anyway, moving on. According to the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, we should need to make drastic changes and fast if we want to avoid the worst possible damage brought on by climate change. In 2018, the IPCC put out a paper called Special Report, Global Warming 1.5 Degrees Celsius, and it has 91 authors from 40 countries. Now, that's one heck of a Google Doc, and it has a total of six thousand references. The report states that we could see catastrophic effects of global warming as early as 2040. And if we don't massively reduce the amount of CO2 or carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and the Brazilians don't stop burning the rainforest, the world is going to do something and fast. Now, Elon Musk, I'm asking you, I'm pleading, stop digging tunnels for God's sakes and stop smoking pot on podcasts. Can just figure this out. I promise I'll buy a wall of batteries that use burned oil to charge them. If you do, I'll buy whatever you want, but we need you, Iron Man. No, not really. Okay, so back to the new green deal. Now, reducing carbon emissions is just the tip of the rapidly melting iceberg. Did you get that? I said rapidly melting iceberg, you know, because of global warming. Uh, anyway, I can be witty and educated at the same time. It's fine. But this plan put out by AOC Star Power also outlines internal plans because, of course, in clean energy bills, we have to have stuff full of things that don't belong, like create jobs with clean, democratically controlled energy for all. Stop for a second. Just for a second. AOC, a socialist by her own words and a communist by mine, is proposing 
democratically controlled energy. Now, I don't even know what that means. Are we going to vote on who gets power? The plan says 100% of the power demand in the United States through clean, renewable, zero emission energy sources within 10 years. <laughs> I mean, 10 years to remove all the power generation in the country. Hello, Chevron. Uh, yeah, we did such a good job as a government fighting big tobacco decades ago. We're going to want to try to take you guys on. We're going to take on oil and gas. You probably thought that that was what all the plan called for, but you'd be wrong. There's more. The Green New Deal also means upgrading all existing buildings to achieve maximum energy efficiency, end quote. And it, it says that we have to upgrade every building, replace most every car, and take the trains off the tracks for most efficient versions. Now, we couldn't build bridges or roads the way we do now. No more manufacturing, really, of any significant kind. And making beer and wine? Forget it. Did you know that there's CO2 in every wine bottle? And when you open a new bottle of wine, a cute little penguin coughs. No, no, maybe that's an over-exaggeration, but there's really some truth. Carbon dioxide is used and produced everywhere. So as we all know, the debut of the New Green Deal didn't go quite as planned, maybe because it wasn't really planned at all. The original outline of the plan, which AOC says was accidentally published by one of her staffers, said that the New Green Deal aimed for net zero rather than zero emissions within 10 years, because they weren't sure if they could get rid of farting cows and airplanes that fast. And in all fairness, AOC says that they never said that, but we think it did. A few Republicans, of course, have relishedly, and they've repeated this language over and over and over over. And AOC herself, this, uh, this another ordinary communist, has distanced herself from her own plan. Now, I, don't, I don't know how you do that. But the original document also included a line about providing economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work. Now, naturally, this sounds like a plan that would turn the U.S. into a lazy welfare state. But no, 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 they deny that. They say, if you, I guess if you want to take her word for it, that it's just not the case. That, we're, that people not having to work but getting jobs and industries being wiped out. Well, I mean, it really is uh, the upending of capitalism and the end of anything not community or government owned. Clearly, it's not a welfare state. No, no, no. It's socialism, ladies and gentlemen, and that's not anywhere near the center of the field. So it's important to note that unlike FDR's original New Deal, which comprised a huge amount of legislation, and it's actually credited with, with positive change that helped move the country out of desperate poverty, this resolution is non-binding. Yep, non-binding and non-committal. So it's essentially, it's not a deal or a bill at all. It's a press release that they would then have to be converted into a massive piece of work before anyone ever read it to think about it. Now, nothing better about complaining without a solution. So the so so-called Green New Deal is actually a bunch of ideas that have been around and already dismissed as unpractical and undoable. Now, don't forget the idea. This concept, this publicity stump is also has built in, of course, because when we're saving the planet, we need an economic economic bill of rights, uh, which promises single-payer health care, guaranteed jobs, a living wage, affordable housing, free college education. Wait, wait, wait. So the Green Deal is also a liberal manifesto on how America should be. Now, I'm not taking sides here, but when I read the policy positions of the Democratic presidential contenders of 2020 and add them together, I get the link. Is this even about client change or fundamentally changing or enlarging the government along the lines of a very left-wing, dare I say, socialist agenda? Now, I know we have a lot of issues in this country, and we have a lot of things. That, in fact, we, we've got stuff to change, like at getting adequate health care and housing to all. And I understand that critical wage stagnation has been around since the 70s, and the fact that the U.S. is facing the greatest level of income inequality since the 20s is a problem. 
It's no secret. White families have 20 times more wealth than black families and that women earn about 80% as much as men. But since this declaration is only 14 pages, can we really take it seriously as anything but a feeble attempt to frame the election talking points and catapult AOC to another level of popularity among the extreme left? Can we? In case you need a refresher, in 1933, FDR was elected as after the nation turned on President Her Herbert Hoover for his perceived indifference to the plight of the many unemployed and impoverished Americans during the Great Depression. His New Deal, or shall we say the only real New Deal, described a huge amount of legislation that rolled out government agencies that oversaw massive projects like bringing electricity to rural areas and large-scale construction projects like dams and public housing. Yet these, these programs eventually necessitated, uh, necessitated tax hikes was true, but especially on the wealthy, but he built those without tearing anything down. Now, nothing in the FDR program imagined remaking the world. He empowered the people to build and create the wealth lost during the Great Depression. It was masterful because it employed and created without destroying and disenfranchising. Now, it's true the Green New Deal outlined similar massive building projects like light rail and smart power grids that would offer more affordable energy, but we must destroy people's way of life to get there, and that's the problem. For every job created in the New Deal, we have to fire people who have made and destroyed industries like coal, coal, oil, timber, and they've made that their way of life. So we have to remove their way of life to make room for new ways of life, which no one is qualified to either install or train. Now, I've obviously, honestly never envisioned, honestly never, that Trump could win re-election in 2020. But after this, this kind of position paper, and if it ends up being what Democrats run on, we'll see King Trump till 2024. So what's the solution to the climate change problem? The IPCC's paper says if we want to avoid catastrophic events, countries around the world need to take steps to limit global warming to 1.5 Celsius above pre-industrial average. It's a fancy way of saying it's getting hot in here, turn down the heat. But it states with high confidence that once temperatures get to 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial averages, and we use Fahrenheit here, so I don't know why they're writing it this way, the possibility for extreme weather events increases astronomically. More hurricanes, more floods, hot temperatures, it's going to really create a lot of deadly heat stress for over 350 million people by 2050. It warns of flooding. It warns of wildfires. It warns of destruction of most of the ocean's coral reef. And the report concludes that a lot of people, a lot, depend on that little half degree between 1.5 and 2. And what folks are missing about this is it's a world problem not a US problem. And because such a small amount makes such a huge difference, we need to get everyone in the sandbox, and that's likely never going to happen. The so-called BRIC countries, who are said to be developing countries, that's Brazil, Russia, India, and China, for those of you that hate acronyms, are the biggest polluters on planet Earth. Their justification that America did it to get rich, so so can they, has destroyed the rest of the world that we didn't destroy during our golden era. And the funny math astounds me. China, the biggest carbon emitter in the world, has far more people than we do. And so the UN, which has more poor countries than rich countries, of course, counts emissions per person, not per nation. Therefore, the Chinese don't have to do much to meet the standard that will allow them to claim leadership in fighting the issues. Now, don't forget in 2015, 200 nations signed the Paris Accords, and China also, also signed on because they didn't really have to do anything, but because the people of this world were interested in carbon ratios more than they were than carbon pollution. The largest carbon polluter in the world was essentially given a pass, while we are asked to do everything and build 
change everything we build or ride on. Now, in 2017, Trump announced plans to leave the Paris Accord, which is not really surprising from the man who hasn't always been on board with the idea that global warming even exists. He called the agreement simply the latest example of Washington entering into an agreement that disadvantages the United States to the exclusive benefit of other countries, leaving American workers and taxpayers to absorb the cost of lost jobs, lower wages, shuttered factories, and vastly diminished economic production. It's true. The Green New Manifesto, which, you know, we walked out of the Paris Accord, so of course we should adopt this, uh, says that the U.S. is responsible for a disproportionate amount of carbon emissions, as much as 20%. And I've seen other numbers, other reports that say it's down to 14%. So if we're disproportionate and we're only at 14%, does that make sense? You, you really think that 14% of the 100% can ever cut enough to change the fireball that's coming? Yes, we can and, sh and should do more. There's no doubt about that. But maybe we should focus our energy and resources, hold that thought, we'll get back to it in a moment, because there's no official estimate from the Congressional Budget Office or the CBO on the number or the cost of what this new deal would cost. The number being thrown around, uh, hold on, the number being thrown around is $93 trillion to implement the so-called Green Noon Deal. That's $93 trillion. I can't stop saying it. $93 trillion. Put in perspective, uh, our GDP, America's gross domestic product, or in a layman's term, the entire U.S. economy, is roughly $20 trillion a year. So this green dream, as Nancy Pelosi says, would cost us five years of the entire production of every man, woman, and child in America. Now, uh, Rihanna Gunn-Wright, a member of the New Consensus Think Tank that designed the New Green Deal, yep, it wasn't even AOC's idea, warns the dangers posed by global warming could by 2100, 100 years or 80 years from now, extract the equivalent of human cost of 25 holocausts. That would mean, assuming 11 million died in the Holocaust, and I think the number's bigger, that close to 300 million people would die. And if she's right, that's like wiping out 48 states off the map. Now, I don't doubt that many people will die. I don't doubt that in the coming changes of the planet, no matter what we do, things are going to go bad. And, but how can we afford this massive government expansion? The Democrats are especially fond of bringing up the Pentagon's notoriously massive budget, and they're in favor of taxing the rich more heavily with some talk about a proposed rate, get this, 70% on America's top earners. Now, honestly, that's laughable because one, it will never happen, and two, they'll just shift their wealth. Bill Gates, who might know a thing or two about wealth generation, says that while he supports progressive tax plans, tax rates like the 70% plan simply encourage wealthy people to manage their wealth more creatively and to hold more of their money overseas. Gates characterized that kind of plan as an extreme view that misses the big picture. The Republicans, of course, as you can imagine, are up in arms. People like Representative Ron Estes said in an address to Congress that this massive government takeover of your life would, would result in an extra cost to every American household of $65,300 per year. And he said that might be crumbs in New York and California, but not in Kansas. So uh, we're not in Kansas anymore, but, but surely what he's getting at, and nobody really knows whether that's the right number, is that this is going to be very expensive. Robert Stavins, who's an environmental economist at Harvard told Politico that given the Green New Deal is at this point simply a set of long-term goals without any specification of how those goals would be achieved, any estimate of cost is itself likely to be essentially be speculative. So we know the extremes on both sides disagree, and that's where they're supposed to be because they're extremes. And our favorite talking head, Ted Cruz, has sent tweets out like, it said, quote, the Green New Deal is a wonderful illustration of how extreme the Democrats have become. And he called the Green New Deal a radical socialist proposal.
And while I agree that in its 14-page, 14-page, $63 trillion form, it is basically a government takeover of the world as we know it. Remember, these are just talking points for the election, and it was never intended to become an actual law. Nevertheless, the criticisms sound a lot like what FDR faced, what FDR faced over the New Deal. President Hoover Hoover wrote in a 1936 article on the impact of the New Deal, you cannot extend the mastery of government over the daily life of people without somewhere making it a master of people's souls and thoughts. It poisons political equality, free speech, free press, and the equality of opportunity. It's the road not to more liberty, but to less liberty. And that was written in 1936. And here's the rub. Conservatives seem to think they can simply dog whistle socialism and get the public up in arms. But the days of Americans being scared of socialist agenda might be drawing to a close. Most Americans supposedly support socialist agenda like universal health care and free college tuition. Support for these kinds of programs is especially strong among millennials and people who would benefit from these programs, which by some estimation is about 80% of the population. So you see what's happening here? Folks are using climate change and the fear of ma massive catastrophic events to advance agendas sh should be debated individually on their own merit. Nancy Pelosi called this the green gene just because it simply should be named the democratic platform because most if not all of the points people are rallying around have nothing to do with climate change or are ridiculous on their face. Don't forget you can find critics of this program even on the left including Nancy Pelosi, who said that any signal of any kind of support and suggesting that a lot of Democrats support it without fully knowing what it even means. She even went on to go say, it goes beyond what our charge is. Our charge is about saving the planet, not changing the world. And so what do, where does this resolution stand now? Mitch McConnell held a procedural vote on the resolution in March, and this is pretty funny. It 57 to 0 in the Senate, with 43 Democrats simply voting present. Not one Democratic senator or Republican senator voted yes, yet we're still talking about it. Much of the left-wing media has characterized this move as a show vote, merely a ruse to get Democrats to state where they stand on a hugely divisive bill. Well, if they supported it, why do, why do they care where, that people know where they stand? And many Democratic senators who are also presidential nominees, including Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Kristen Gilbrand, it's the whole reason that AOC released the manifesto. She wanted to propel an agenda, not save the planet, into the 2020 Democratic debates and platforms in the run-up to the elections. Most, if not all, of the 25 Democratic candidates have started adopting their own version of this deal, and it's amazing. Not one person voted for it, but they have thrown away their own brains and replaced it with a policy paper that AOC herself now distances herself from. If they thought she'd campaign with them on this, they've just seen her flip first for her first flip-flop. Now, folks, let's not be fooled by language or headlines. The new original deal or original new deal helped a little, but what really pulled us out of the funk of the economic despair back then in the 1930s was World War II and all the stuff we had to build to beat the Nazis. If we're honest with ourselves, we know there's nothing we can do to stop global warming. And while we try to lead the world, and it's not a bad idea, let's not do it at the expense of the lives of millions of hardworking Americans who live right now 
today and would be devastated by any massive overhaul of the economy. The phrase, we owe it to our children, is kind of funny to me because if we devastate the world as we know it today to save a world that we can't predict tomorrow, which one is the lesser evil? Which is the greater sin? The Grand Canyon, there is no doubt, was once filled with water. And to that, there is little debate. The only way that's possible is if the ice melted in both the North and the South Pole. Global warming, climate change, or whatever you call it, has happened before and it will happen again. So what to do? Millions are going to die. I'm sorry. It's true. It's going to happen. The seas are going to rise. My annual vacation to Miami Beach is going to be in a kayak. But make no mistake, it's going to happen. So we still have the same problem. How about let's take a lot of those trillions of dollars, and I'm talking trillions, five years worth of the total impact of our American economy. Take all of that money, or at least some of it, and put it towards solving the problem of survivability instead of trying to stop the earth from its inevitable path. Entrepreneurs, college labs, government should be working together to ensure that we find ways to mitigate the impacts in the ways that we live and prosper in the face of this change. This isn't a disease that we can cure, folks. We need to heed the lessons of evolution or intelligent design or creationism or whatever you believe, and humans will have to adapt and change or they will be extinct. It's just the way we have to accept it. What we do will largely depend on if we stay on the defensive, like the Green New Deal suggests, or if we power into the fight and turn all of our attention to creating the tools and structures needed to survive the changes we all know are going to happen. It's time to stop looking for ways to stop the changes. We don't have world buy-in, nor the years needed. No, my friends, I feel like Darwin here. I'm telling you that only the strong will survive the upcoming changes. So let's grab your LA fitness card and it's time to get to work to save the human race. I'm Richard Keith Lapman and you were in the center of the field. It's been fun. Let's do it again.